You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast with Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. Episode 22. Wow. When Sam and I decided to start this podcast, I knew that I just had to have um, a past client of mine, Kim Haugen, on because she is, number one, so knowledgeable, so open, so just amazing. And her husband exudes those same qualities. I just, I adore this family so much. And the reasoning for it is I have just watched them evolve from having one adopted son to having a biological daughter to then having an international adoption to then having another biological child and adopting two more children after that. And I have watched this family grow in this house that I got to be a part of as they built it and create this family and I can't wait for you guys to listen because not only if you have not been through the process of adoption, just how they parent and the advice that she gives for being a better person and a better parent and just growing and knowing that you will make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. So tune in Hey guys, thanks for listening. Allie Engren here with my co-host, Samantha Mello. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. And we are here with one of my past clients in real estate. Got to go and get really get to know their family and fell in love with them and became even closer. I, I think of you guys as family at this mm-hmm. point because when you build houses, they... It takes about a year to build, so you get to know each other very well. And so I have, or we have, Kim Haugen here. Hello. To talk about adoption and raising children. So we're just going to dive in and kind of start with your story from day one. What, What chose, why did you guys choose to adopt? Did it fall into your lap? What? Yeah. Okay. I always like to preface by saying I have um, grieved all of what I'm about to talk about because sometimes people are like, how can you just talk about it so nonchalantly? I've, I've done all that. So <laughs> here we go. So I got married to my husband, Chad, when we were, I was 21 and we wanted to start a family right away and we got pregnant right away and then we had a miscarriage and then... Um, a few months went by and long story short, I started having a lot of pain. And then one day in October of 2011, I um, blacked out. I fell to the floor. I got rushed into emergency surgery. That was seven hours. And um, my miscarriage from months before had kept growing into what's called a dermoid tumor. And it started like restricting a whole bunch of blood supply to the right side of my body. And um, thankfully they did get it removed. But the doctor said it would be unlikely that I would ever be able to have children biologically. And so we were like, 
okay, <laughs> you know, what do you do with that? Um, so we just, we tried a few more times to have kids and got pregnant and miscarried. And um, then we were like, you know what, let's go down the adoption road. Um, my husband and I both have big hearts for adoption. And um, we did that. And we welcomed our first son as a newborn. Um, we were in the delivery room in February of 2013. And that's kind of what started it all. So technically, yes, we came to adoption from a place of miscarriage slash infertility. Um, but we didn't enter adoption with that same heart. Because somebody did tell me once, adoption is not a, a fix for infertility. It is, they're completely separate things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the mindset that I've just continued to go through my whole, I mean, now we've been adopting for 10 years. Wow. wow. It's kind of weird to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been that long. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it's been truly the best uh, addition to our lives because it's really taken us out of who we thought we were or any vision that I had, I thought my life would be. And it's completely turned it upside down in all the best ways, in really hard ways, in ugly ways, messy ways, beautiful ways. But yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. Yeah, and we had a super open adoption with our son's mama. She just lives in St. Paul. Okay. And she has, um, she parents two other kiddos now, and our son goes to their birthday parties, and we hang out, and it's just the healthiest thing for our son. And um, so you guys I have yeah. chosen to tell your kids that <clears throat> they were adopted. And oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> and my husband and I are both white. And four of our children are either full black or half black. And so there's no That's secret. That's a whole other mix yeah, in there. Yeah. Although this one lady a couple years ago did try and convince me that one of my daughters, who was from Africa, was like, you two look so much alike. And I was like, oh, boy, that makes me uncomfortable. Like, I'm confident in the fact that our family doesn't all resemble each other. But this lady, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah <laughs> so yeah that was our first kid and then we were adopting a second time and um, right when we were in the very beginning stages of the home study for that second adoption we did find out we were pregnant with our now seven-year-old what um, is a home study oh yes a home study is ours was 17 pages I don't know how long other people's are but it's like the most invasive intrusive thing that <laughs> could ever be written about you it's where a social worker comes to your house and they have to know they ask literally everything about you um, they do background checks fingerprints they have to make sure basically that you're going to be legit parents to this child that you're not trying to traffic children um, so they do make the process very hard but honestly it's for a really good reason um, they ask about your childhood how are you going to parent, um, you know, just just to make sure that it's safe. Do you think that helps, like, lay down a foundation for you and your husband even? Just, like, yeah, because that's almost like counseling, like, before exactly. you get married, it's like, right? It's I, that's like what was in my head right now. understanding how you're going to parent, what you're going like to do. and like pre-parent counseling. <laughs> yeah, like, thinking out yeah. different scenarios yes. that can happen and how you're going to handle that. Yeah. That's pretty... I mean, I remember we... Uh, before we adopted our first, one of the questions was, 
Are they going to go to private school, homeschool, Spanish immersion school, a hybrid school, um, a magnet school? And like we had to, that was in our home study. Yeah. And just all of these types of things. Are you going to be a traveling family? Are you not? Because in the domestic adoption, so like infant adoption in America, private adoption, not from foster care, not international, the expectant moms generally pick the family. Okay. So our son's mom got to read all these. She doesn't read the home study, but it kind of gets translated into something that she gets to read about us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, kind of sh- like online dating. Yes, way. sure. <laughs> of co- there you go. That's a good way to, <laughs> to do that. Um, but it just is a really way to be extremely transparent, and there's really no way that you can hide some of these things. I mean, yeah. we should do this, I mean, for biological kids. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's I hear like you, you kind of hear that, and you think, that's a that's good. I mean, those are the things that should be talked about, and you don't even know. Like, mm-hmm. half the time you're like, oh, I don't know. I guess it would have figure it out when you get there but then you get there yeah. that's when people have like yeah you know butt heads and well in addition to all of that we also had to do extensive training on trauma yeah attachment um multicultural adoptions different races um what open adoption is like all, we did tons and tons I mean, in the last 10 years, we've done probably hundreds of hours if I'm being honest of trainings is there anything you learned that really like Yeah, stood out or just really hit you harder than others Mm -hmm. going through that? I think I and and I guess it's hard for me to know if it's from the training or if it's from my actual experience. Right. But just how every child is different. Every adoption is going to be different. One kid's trauma is not the next kid's trauma. And then realizing that I was actually bringing trauma into some of our um, you know, sequential adoptions from things that happened during some of our adoptions or some, some things that became really hard for me. And just really realizing that we need to kind of take every situation as its own and not clump it all together. Mm. Um, I've kind of carried that with me <laughs> through all of life now, to be honest with you. I, I think we live in such a culture that just likes to clump people in categories and um, just really seeing my kids for who they are and not what a textbook says or not what the social worker says or psychiatrist you know yeah just learning to love each other for who you are where you're at and that that's that's a work in progress it always will be and it always will be yeah i think if we had more grace and patience with each other it'd be a whole different yeah world there's a lot of i kind of one of the analogies that i use is i used to always get so mad that my junk drawer would always get i'm like i just cleaned it (laughs) It's so messy. I feel you. I yeah. just did that. I do want to know, though, for our listeners, is are Minnesotans, are we the only ones who do junk drawers? Like, no. I do want to know that. I feel like Everybody it's a Minnesota does. Really? Thing. I you're, do. Your sister's here, and yes. you, you live in junk- Michigan. Do you? And you've lived in New York, but you're also Minnesotan. I have a junk drawer. You have do a junk your drawer? friends have junk drawers? Everybody like, has to have a junk drawer. they call it that. Oh. What do they call it? I, I mean, either they don't have that's not possible. They call right. it yeah. they call it a casserole, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terms are so different. Really, that's funny. Yeah. Yep. But exactly. So I'm like, uh, what is that called? Like a type A personality. Yeah. Um, 
like things need recovery. To be I used to be <laughs> extremely type A, but I'm with six kids. I'm kind of like, woo, okay. Let it so flow. So <laughs> what I've learned is that I have my junk drawer, right? And it's kind of like my brain and my emotions as well. Um, but about once a month, I go through my junk drawer and I get all the junk out of it. And I just know in a month, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And I'm going to do it the month after that. And that's kind of the same for me with adoption training and always checking my heart and knowing like, okay, I'm good today, but I'm probably not going to be good a few days from now. So how do I hold myself accountable? And who in my life I have actually had to step out to certain people and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, with this child or this part of this adoption is really hard for me or what have you. Um, can you help hold me accountable? A lot of yeah. time in prayer, a lot of time in, you know, things like that. But um I think that's what I've I've really learned. That's such a good Just analogy. Just because we're good now, it is. it's really beautiful. Doesn't mean the junk drawer isn't going to get messy again. Yeah. So. That's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that. So you were pregnant. Yeah. With your yep. second adoption. Yep. So and now we, you're coming on three kids. You're going to be having at this point. Well, so domestic adoption is interesting. They often don't like you to be pregnant and adopting an infant at the same time. Mm. So we actually had to put that adoption on hold, and I was totally convinced that we would miscarry this baby too. Because at that point, I think we had had four miscarriages. Oh, wow. And so I was just kind of like, all right, just waiting for the time to pass, knowing that my body was probably going to do that again, and it didn't. And so then Leo and Veda are uh, 21 months apart. So that was kind of crazy. And so then when Veda was six months old, we continued that adoption again. We were like, okay, here we go. We want to we wanna do this. Because we always knew if we adopted once, we didn't want just one child that was adopted because I just think that's super... I, I was not adopted. My husband was not adopted. Um, we can't relate to that for our kids. And I know that's something I can never give them. But we could give them a sibling mm-hmm. that was. And I just think that's super powerful. And so we always knew that we would do it a second time. So we started that adoption back up. We were doing another domestic infant adoption. And kind of going back to that home study, um, you have to get a home study done for every single adoption. And the person who kind of helped, the agency that helped us with that, they called me one day and they were like, hey, you've never met me, but I was the one who like signed off on your home study. I'm like the office person. But there is a little girl over in Uganda, Africa, that needs a family. And we were like, excuse me, Um, (laughs) not interested because I wanted, you know, this is something else that's really interesting with adoption is that we were doing domestic infant. And when we were going through that, everyone would say, well, why don't you adopt a child that's already born or that's in our foster care system or that's starving over in another country? Like you had to almost build a defense around, or so I felt, Mm -hmm. why you were doing what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now here I was, we were trying to adopt a baby again, but now we learned about this little girl over in Africa. And so it kind of took everything I knew and spun it upside down, and we said no. Her name was Joy, Joy Mercy. And we said, no, I'm sorry. And we just kept going on. Well, about three, four days later, that same person called me again. And they were like, hey, (laughs) it's me. Um, I just want to ask you again 
if you would consider adopting Joy. And I said, girl, I'm going to hang up this phone. There's no Joy <laughs> happening here. <laughs> well, and that's it's kind of like a... It was a weird. tough emotional thing. Like, it was. For somebody to call you and then to say no to a child. Like, oh, it was and then gut-wrenching. You're, and you're like, well, now I feel like the most selfish person, but you have to make those choices yep. because this is a serious matter. Absolutely. Like, your heart has to be in it. Well, and let me tell you, there are so many, quote unquote, um, suggested rules in the adoption world. Like, only adopt children that are younger than your youngest. Or... Yeah. You know, things these... things like that. Yeah. Um, you got to do what's best for so your many. family. Like, you guys know yeah. what you need. You know what fits. Right. You know, I mean, and obviously, if you're doing these interviews or these, uh, what did you call it? I'm sorry. The oh, homestead. Yeah, homestead. Homestead. You know, you're probably learning a lot about yourself and I am. exactly what you want or what, what not what you want, but probably what, what would work want. best. Absolutely. And well, so, and home studies, too. There is a domestic home study and there's an international home study. Okay. So, we had only ever, like, we weren't even qualified to adopt internationally. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. <laughs> and so I said, I am, I'm done. I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to, I said, you know, like in a Minnesota nice way, please never <laughs> call me again. <laughs> well, a few hours later, she called me again. I think it was from a different phone number this time. So. Oh, my gosh. I was like, this is a lot. Do you want to be on my team for yeah, real estate, right? whoever you are? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and so she called one more time and she's like hey um I just have to I just have to tell you one thing and I was like uh fine what is it like is she a unicorn like what is this and she said she's actually super super sick and my heart dropped and I knew in that moment that joy was going to be my daughter Mm. and I hadn't talked to my husband yet and um, I was actually, at that time, we were living in Apple Valley, and I was driving on Highway 3 down to Northfield. I'd never been on that road. Gorgeous drive, these beautiful leaves, and then I went to a funeral. And during the funeral, the sermon at the funeral was about, like, if you know what you're supposed to do, or if you know kind of uh, the direction that the Lord might be calling you in, and, and if you don't do it, that's like, that's that's a sin. Like, that's... We need to be doing things, even if they're hard, because if we just stick to the easy things, I mean, then we're kind of just living for ourselves, right? We'll never grow. Yeah. And so on the way home from that funeral, I call my husband, and I kid you not, he picked up the phone when I called him, and he said, that's my daughter, isn't it? And I was like, goosebumps. I know. Okay, here we go. And so we got our domestic home study, switched over to an international home study, knew nothing about this girl and I was on a plane 10 days later which is unheard of in the international adoption world Um, and for those of you that are listening that know about international adoption she was already being pursued by another family so uh, but things happened in that family they could no longer adopt her so like everything was paper ready for her in that country like all the investigations were already done and all these things so she was ready to be adopted um so we get over there, and that is now our eight-year-old, who we um, we were going to keep her name, her name Joy Mercy, but due to a lot of trauma that actually had to do with her name, and that's like a whole other thing. But we named her Lexington mm-hmm. Joy Mercy, so that's now her middle name. So that's our sweet Lexi, and she then went in between the two kids, 
Leo and Veda. So now it was, I had a three-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-year-old at that point. And it was insane. And that was... It just goes to show, though, like, when <clears throat> it is, like, a God thing, it's just effortless. I mean, it's not effortless, but it was just paved for you. It was like, no, this is your road. Like, you need to go, and it's just There were cobwebs all over that road. Was there? <laughs> it, I, I, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Really? And I could never see around the next corner. And it, if I'm being honest, it was awful. Yeah. And I often questioned, like, what we ruined our family. We ruined our family. We don't know how to care for this girl. She came home. She was sick. Sick, sick, sick. Like and physically, mentally, all, all of the of above? It. Literally all of it. She was in the hospital for a long time. Um, she has something called lymph node proliferative disorder. We didn't know what it was at the time. We went to 17 doctors in the Minneapolis metro area. None of them could figure it out. She had, I don't know, probably seven, eight surgeries up here to try and fix certain things, and it wasn't working, so we went down to Mayo, and that's when they figured it out. So basically her lymph node system regenerates itself. So she'll get her tonsils removed, her adenoids removed, and a few days later they'll grow back to the point of choking her. And so then she needs to rush in for another operation. Thankfully, we've kind of figured out certain meds and certain diet changes. So she's been pretty stable for a while. But like right now, she has a tumor in her knee. Um, uh, she has an issue with her throat. Everything where there's lymph nodes yeah. can be a problem for Lexi. It's crazy. I mean, I just couldn't imagine coming from one culture, coming into another, being so sick. I know I'm... I'm uh, I'm not the nicest person when I'm sick, you know? <laughs> so it's like you're just not feeling good. You're in a whole new culture. You're in this whole new environment yeah. and trying to... And she didn't speak You guys English. are trying to learn each other. It was hard. She didn't hardly walk. She was two and a half. She was 18 pounds. Mm. She's from Uganda, Africa. She had... Now that she's like healthier, her hair is this beautiful black. Her hair was orange. Mm. Um, she was scared of everybody, everything... Um, you know, wanting to hoard food and all these things, which makes sense, right? Because yeah. she was not treated very well at this orphanage. And so it was just a massive shock and I wasn't ready for it. It, it happened so fast. And I'm not saying if it would have happened over a normal period of time, would I have been ready? Um, but I'm just so thankful with how patient and forgiving my daughter has been towards me because... I, I was not the greatest mom to her. Absolutely. Um, it was so hard. But she and I now have a work in progress relationship where it's beautiful. She trusts me. I trust her. Um, she's healthy. She's happy. She's in dance. Um, she's learning to read. Like all the things the doctor said that she would never do. She's doing. She's, she's doing. Breaking it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that. And then we had another biological child. Yeah, it's the bride. <laughs> that was our four-year-old. Her name is Raya, Raya James. Oh, I like that name. And then um, we were good. We were really good. We were set. We had our family of four. And kind of in between that, so we've had a total of eight miscarriages. It's kind of hard, honestly, now to kind of like remember when all that happened. Right, but Raya was our bookend. Now. We haven't had any miscarriages since then. Um, we're, and I'm, and yeah. my sister over here, she's pregnant. I'm, bless you. 
I don't think <laughs> it was a lot. Pregnancies were super hard for me. Um, but yeah, no. So we have, we had our four kids. All was good. And then my good friend that we met adopting from Uganda then went over to Liberia to adopt another kiddo. And she calls me one day when she's in Liberia and she's like, Hey, um, I think you're my only friend crazy enough to potentially accept what I'm about to tell you. She said, we're over here in Liberia. We just learned of a nine-year-old girl who desperately needs a home. What do you think? I just, I laughed. I was like, this cannot be real. Come on. Is this happening again? Yes, exactly. I was like, dun, dun, dun. And um, I didn't even want to tell my husband. <laughs> you know, because at this point, Leo's adoption and Lexi's adoption were a little bit more speared on by me. They were a bit more, you know, uh, they were, I did all the paperwork. I got all the paper cuts. You know, he did what he had to do. But I, you know, yeah, it just is what it was. Right. And um, I honestly, I couldn't do that again. I, I didn't think I could do that again. And eventually I broke down and I told my husband and um, he's open with me sharing what I'm about to share because he's a, a big advocate in this. Um, but this completely is the reason why we ended up adding Jackie to our family. Her name is Jackie. Um, my husband was horrifically molested and raped when he was ages four and five many many times and it had only kind of come out he started to talk publicly about it about a six months to a year before we learned about Jackie and when he heard about Jackie and he heard about how high the rape rate is over in Liberia it's horrific um he was he's like Kim I that's my daughter Mm -hmm. oh wow I will do whatever needs to happen um, I, if I know that there's a situation of a kid that's in need that that can potentially happen to that is not living in a good situation, she needs my last name and I want to, I want to make that happen. So we, it was crazy. It was a backwards way of doing an adoption. I mean, you never really go into an international adoption knowing who the child is going to be, but this was our second time right. doing that now. <laughs> we do not have conventional international adoptions. <laughs> So we did it. Yeah. I mean, it's not as easy as, yay, we did it. But we right. did it. And, and I would love to hear a little bit about your time in Uganda and your time over there as well, too. Yeah. Uganda was beautiful. But it was the hardest emotional place I've ever personally been in in my life. I was alone. I had never been to Africa before. Um, I was, yeah, I had kids I left behind. Um, at that point... I was still really needing approval from others and especially my family. And um, that hadn't fully been, we didn't really know this journey that we were on. And I think it was kind of hard for people to like, what are they doing? <laughs> they have these two little kids at home. Why are they going to Uganda for a sick little girl? Like, what is this? You know? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't necessarily feel like I was getting what I needed. Like support. But mm -hmm. I learned over the years that, I can only get what I truly need from God and my husband being on my side and being in unity with them too. You know what I mean? And so um, Uganda was really, really difficult. And then insert Liberia, fantastic. I had such a different perspective. 
And actually, a really big part of my healing journey with Lexi, our emotional healing journey, she came with us to Liberia. So yes, it wasn't back to her home country of Uganda, but still, I was walking the red dirt road with her and Mm -hmm. seeing her, I mean, Ugandans and Liberians do look, they don't look exactly like by any means different countries on the opposite sides of Africa, but she felt like she fit. Hmm. Right. And to see her in that environment and then to see her get to um, bond with her newest sister, Jackie, and to to have that experience. Because sometimes Lexi just has a um, she has some learning disabilities and things and physical disabilities. So sometimes I think she can feel a little bit left out. And but she got to establish that bond with her sister before her other siblings did. And that's carried through. They share a room now. They're best friends. And I was going to say yeah. that probably helped even with Jackie's transition. It absolutely did. Mm-hmm. It absolutely did. And that it was safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been to Africa a total of four times now for a total of, I don't know, four or five months probably. Because um, wow. each adoption, Liberia only took one trip for me, which was a month. And then Uganda was a total of three trips for a total of several months. Mm. <laughs> so there's just a lot of paperwork that has to happen and... You know, people often say, I don't understand why adoption has to be so hard. Why is it so expensive? Why does it take so long? And I stand by it. I, it needs to because, I mean, there's some hoops that hopefully could be eliminated, but it's all there to protect these kids. It's oh. to make sure that kids are not being trafficked. It's to make sure that the parents that are doing it actually have good intentions. You're working with other governments that are not American. Um, I mean, you're on their timetable. And I truly believe that when we're in other people's countries, we need to respect their culture and their systems. And, I mean, you can't just walk into a Ugandan lawyer's office and say, this is what needs to, that just, it doesn't work. And so we were kind of at the mercy of their timetable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that was that. And my husband instantly fell in love with her. And it, it has been the best, easiest adoption transition. And I've kind of, so she's been home now two, two and a half years almost. And she came home 10 days before the COVID pandemic hit. Oh, wow. <laughs> Literally, we got home, I think, February 26th. And it happened like on March 8th or. Before the schools shut down. Yeah, schools. Yeah. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. But there's this, um saying or this philosophy in the adoption world that when your kiddo comes home especially an older child you need to cocoon as a family like it's the mom and dad are the only ones that should be providing the needs for these kids um you know they need to feel safe with you they need to establish this bond like Mm -hmm. a newborn does with their mom and dad you know and so we got like put into a two-year cocoon and it was fantastic. Aww. She, I, I don't get me wrong. There were hard things, but I, she's absolutely. She, she almost brought your family together she in did. a way that you guys could have never probably done. Right? Absolutely so not. Like that. I was honestly, I was really scared to adopt. She was ten by the time she came home. Yeah. And I was like, "What do I do with a ten-year-old girl?" Mm-hmm. Like, those were my fears. Um, you know, uh, she had experienced. A substantial amount of trauma I kept thinking about me and my family and my kids and my 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 and it was when I really gave room to let the Lord work in that 
and just kind of die to my myself um and it just turned out more beautiful than I ever could have imagined she's one of my dearest I mean she's a good friend of mine now yes I'm her mom there's that boundary there but like she's Mm -hmm. awesome she loves to cook she loves to clean she loves to uh, work really hard at sports she loves you know I was so she was not educated she came over here at 10 she didn't know how to read write do math she didn't know the word at is the I mean for 10 that that was difficult and um so then COVID hit we became a homeschool family and we have continued homeschooling which is a whole nother thing (laughs) but I I gotta say I you were homeschooled I went second through fifth oh yeah yeah. I love homeschooling my girls. I enjoyed it very much. Yes. And yeah. she's now, I can hardly even say it without crying. She's now fourth grade reading level, oh. fourth, almost fifth grade math. And she is the kiddo that every morning when she wakes up, she'll read for 20 minutes. Then she'll come upstairs and she'll say, I'd love to do my math with you, mom. And I'm like, I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop. But it, it I'm also learning the shoe doesn't have to drop. No. Right. And there's an appreciation yeah. probably that none of your other kids will ever have. Because, yeah. I mean, not until you're in that despair do you understand how how good you have it, you know, when you get that well, other side of it. just a couple months ago, so she loves to cook <clears throat> with my husband. My husband is a great cook, and Jackie cooked all the time over in Liberia. And she was filling a pot with water to make some pasta. And he's like, Jackie, how did you get your water in Liberia? And she's like, well, I would have to take these two huge, they were each five-gallon buckets, and I'd had to take it to the well, which was, you know, a mile and a half away, and fill them up and come back and boil the water. And What a culture shock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going back to the very beginning when I started talking with you guys about adoption is once we gave her the space to be who she is, not who I want her to be, but who she is and just letting that shine through and not trying to change her, but loving her um, for her strengths, for her weaknesses. It, cause I don't know how else a family like ours could blend. Yeah. If we were trying to have our kids fit into certain boxes. Yeah. Um, she just completely shined and she, (laughs) everyone's like, Oh, I want her to babysit for my kids. I'm like, no, (laughs) I need her at home with me for my kids. She loves it. She loves being a big sister. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hardest thing, uh, was the relationship between her and she became the oldest and now Leo was no longer the oldest. Right. That was hard. Yeah. I could see that. And I would do it all again. Yeah. Because, yes, it was hard. Yes, it was (laughs) almost impossible. But I always tell my kids a couple things. One is your response is your responsibility. And the other one is life is hard. Like, life is hard. And our family is unconventional. It's not what most people think of as a family. And normally, if you're born the oldest, you're the oldest. And you got to roll with it, man. (laughs) you know and we respected him and I'm still the mom that I would go into his room and I would cry with him yeah I didn't just shove his emotions away yeah but I always say hey let's cry about it and then we got to pick ourselves up because this is what it is yeah and yeah and if it wasn't for Jackie we never would have adopted our next one (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Jackie had only been home about 10 months 
and that same stinking friend that told me about Jackie. Hey. Yeah. Hey, Sarah. Yeah, she called me and she's like, yeah, so I, um, I'm doing this thing and I have to raise, I'm going to raise like $50,000 and I need a platform. And I was kind of thinking that maybe you guys, if you would ever want to, could adopt again and the money funds could be put towards that because adoption is extremely right. expensive. We, I actually, ta- I shouldn't have done this. I tallied it up the other day. It's been over $200,000 in oh, adoption nice. so far. Yep. But we fundraised a lot of that. Don't, yeah, that's <laughs> a lot of it, grants, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Sarah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to know, does Sarah, how many children does Sarah, how many has she adopted? She's adopted two. She okay. herself was adopted okay. and she has one biological. Wow. So, and she just has a massive heart for adoption. Yeah. And she's always just like, yeah, great. Do it. Look, perfect. <laughs> Woo. <Woo-hoo>! Woo. <laughs> and so, um, at this point I was like, okay, I'm just not going to shove this question away. I'll bring it to my family and see what they think. Or, you know, Chad was like, ask the kids I don't know like I he was probably working and just what this is how our lives go right and so we go up and we ask Jackie and um it was kind of the stipulation with how the money funds it needed to be an international adoption for the platform that she was doing for it wasn't just like anything um and so we knew it'd have to be international and we would have done Liberia again Jackie started bawling she said, Mom, no, I can't, like, I can't, I, I can't go back there yet. I can't have that be a part of my life now. And I was like, way to go for articulating what you need and speaking that. And um, so that was it. Done. Not moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, then Veda, you know, I don't know, what was she, five at the time? She's six. She's like, well, but what if we adopt a baby? (laughs) And Jackie was like, yes, I could get on board with that. I was like, no, (laughs) no. I like this 10 year old thing. Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly. Exactly. I'm honestly, guys, I'm not a little kid person. And so uh, one thing led to the next. Everybody in our family wanted to adopt a baby and we did it. And it was kind of second nature to us. We just kind of, I make it seem so easy. It's not. But we, you know, we did it. We got all the paper cuts. We filled out all the paperwork. You know, we did it. (laughs) And um, we were just waiting for a couple months. And we normally, your profile, the agencies will ask you, hey, there's this situation. Would you want to present to this situation? That's kind of how domestic adoption works. Well, this one, we didn't even get... That didn't even happen. We just got a call on July 7th of 2021 <laughs> that was like, hey, there's a mom who picked you. We're like, oh, okay, great. What? 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 <laughs> and so they said, um, this is the limited information that we know. If you would like to say yes, great. And all that we knew is that it was a baby boy being born down in Naples, Florida, with the due date of July 14th, which was my birthday. And it was at July 7th at this point. And we were like, and and he, we also knew that there was a lot of drug exposure. And thinking back to when we adopted Leo, 
we uh, we would check, nope, not open to drug exposure, not open to this or that or that. And with this adoption, we said yes for every single mm-hmm. thing because we know at this point it's not up to us. Yeah. And I don't want to be in the adoption arena if I'm going to be putting all these stipulations on things. That's just for me and my heart and my family, right? And um, I just wanted whatever to happen. Like, all right, Lord, whatever. Okay. And so we said yes. And we actually, there was like, as the second that we said yes, I got a pit in my stomach that we needed to get down to Naples immediately. So we were actually up in North Dakota at the time at my husband's parents' place, drove back to Minneapolis, took the next flight out. We actually had arrived in Naples before she even knew that we said yes. And she went into labor. Oh, wow. And so she labored for 40 hours, never progressed, ended up with a C-section. And then our sweet baby boy, Titus, Michael Taylor Haugen, was born on July 10th of 2021. And he was perfect. Absolutely perfect. And then at about 36 hours old is when hell froze over. (laughs) and it was one of the absolute worst drug withdrawals that doctors said that they've ever seen without the baby actually dying Mm. and um you couldn't hardly even be in the same room as titus because the smell of fentanyl was coming seeping through his skin was so intense most days you couldn't even touch him because his skin was almost like translucent with every toxin that was trying to seep through his pores he wouldn't eat he couldn't eat so they had to put an ng tube in his nose to get food in he would vomit everything he would scream to the point where they had to move him into a corner of the NICU so that the other NICU babies that weren't withdrawing you know that had other things going on could like have peace Mm -hmm. um we had so at least half a dozen doctors tell us I remember they actually pulled us into a consultation room and said Nobody is going to judge you if you walk out of these doors without him. Mm. And I got up and I said, that is my son. How dare you? That is my baby. I'm in it. My husband's in it. We are here. And then his due date, July 14th, rolled around, and it was my birthday. And I remember sitting in that NICU just so blown away by how amazing this little boy is and how he is gonna he's gonna be a world changer truly and he already has been and his life got so much harder than i ever thought possible turns out he also has a genetic condition it's called kmt2e (laughs) nobody really knows what it is um there's only 18 diagnosed cases in the world um so he has that because he still doesn't eat he has he still he has a feeding tube he um He has global developmental delay, microcephaly, which means a small head, syndactyly, which means um, his toe joints are fused together. Um, He has feet braces. Um, He still doesn't, at one years old, you should be saying like mama or like vowel sounds. He doesn't make any vowel sounds, so there's question if um, he'll speak. Um, And he is literally the light of our family's lives. Like, everyone is obsessed with Titus. Mm. And if we didn't have Jackie, this, like, I don't know how we would have gotten through this last year. Because when I was at, he ended up being in the hospital for four months, on and off. Um, Just different. He would come home, 
and then he would get a horrible infection. Then he went back into the hospital and he was on a ventilator, you know, and he was there for, I think that time was like 28 days or something like that. Ventilator for 10, you know, recovering after that. Um, he's had a couple surgeries. Actually, just yesterday, Mayo Hospital called me and said, 10 days from now, he's having a huge operation. Um, that's kind of our life. But Lee, uh, Leo, Titus qualifies for in-home nursing, and that has been one of the coolest things I've ever been able to experience. Because I remember, well, we needed help. We couldn't do this. Right. Titus was on um, 55 doses of medication a day for the first several months that he was home. And some were every two hours, four hours, six hours, eight hours. They would all overlap. A med would be given at least once an hour throughout the clock to help him wean off the drugs. Um, it was awful. And anyways, we have in-home nursing, and they have become like my best friends, my sisters, pseudo-moms to my other children. They are incredible. And our family just keeps growing and growing and growing with just so much love. And the people that are walking through our doors, we're just truly a big family. <laughs> and it all goes back to how can we love people for who they are, where they are, and just let them kind of evolve you know, like what a legacy. You guys I, uh, are gonna have such an amazing uh, legacy. Like I just like picture you saying that. Like I just think like you and your husband are old, right? Like eighty five, and you probably just have. This oh, I thought you meant right now. Family I was picture. Like, I know no, you have gray like, hair, but no, I'm not but it's 85. like you guys are just. You know, I can, you just multiply. The yeah. kids get married, and you have yeah. grandkids, and you're you're gonna have so many people because not only do you open your door to your kids, but when you have like that open door policy, yes. and people are drawn to that, like. We have so much in our family. We have a lot of family who are not blood um, at all, but they come to every holiday, you know. And mm. when you have that heart and you have that, like, I just look at the legacy you guys are building and the impact mm. you probably make just on people watching your unconditional love towards each other. Like, that's so impactful. And, and you just show up for one another. Yeah. And I love that. And it's real. Yeah. It's still real. Yeah. It's so cool. And I mean, I don't ever, I, I don't ever want to fool anybody. Like during this entire process, I think maybe two, three years ago, I got an anxiety and depression medication. Like I'm not sitting here saying, it's easy. Yeah. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. But I wouldn't want to do it any other way. Yeah. And my husband and I, our marriage has only gotten stronger and better. I think I've become a better mom. I have more tolerance for my children they are incredible little human beings and it's super super cool the five that can talk so all but the baby <laughs> they all will tell you already that they want to adopt children all of them and the other day we were joking how many grandkids do you think we're going to have it'll probably be over 100 like for real because some of them are like i want 10 kids i want 12 kids and i'm like well shoot if i only wanted two and now i have six <laughs> they really we might have a hundred grandkids and if Sarah you know? keeps calling yeah. me well darn it Sarah don't you I'm gonna block her number hey. I know you're gonna get those calls from your kids hey mom yeah yeah exactly but it's but you get fantastic. to be like the wealth of knowledge for them too and so much of that like that's such a cool it's just so cool because it's just gonna trickle down mm-hmm and honestly, yes, our our lives are hard to manage with the appointments, with the treatments, with the hospital stays. But I've actually found this, it's an easier way for me to live this way. Because 
I used to question, I became a stay at home mom when Leo was about eight months. I used to be in real estate and, um, I was like, what is my purpose? I don't get this stay at home mom thing. It wasn't really for me to be honest for you. It took me about six years to really get into my groove. And I would always question like, am I supposed to be doing more? Who am I? I never have those thoughts anymore because I'm so busy and I'm so focused and, and my, what I'm supposed to be doing is always right in front of me. Mm. I never need to guess. Like it's taught you to live in the moment. Oh yeah. And like plan out and like, sometimes I think when you have all these plans, it leaves room for like disappointment and yeah, a lot of other things and things aren't playing out the way you think they should. But when you're full, <laughs> you have no other choice, but just like Absolutely. live day to day. And like, you just have to get through these moments. It totally changes the way you live. Yeah. And you know, it also doesn't leave me tons of space to have stress. And well, worry. yeah. Or like, or, you know, I can truly only have play dates with people that are cool with me opening up the canister of pretzels and sprinkling it on the grass. Cause I'm like, Hey, that's less plates. <laughs> that's less dishes. Catch. Like, but I'm serious. Yeah, that sure. is what I need in my life. <laughs> You're you know, saying your kids don't pee in Cheeto bags? Uh, you know, we've got... <laughs> do you want to have a play date? Yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm, I'm down. That's my parents. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I just need people that aren't going to be judging me because from the outside, my life has a lot of things that people like to judge, you know? Where we have tons of different races, different countries in our family. We homeschool. I stay at home. Like a lot of things that people have their opinions on. And I just, I don't have time for that. I, I, I just, I do. I live in the moment. I mean, and just truly for me too, like what the Lord has been able to do through conversations with doctors and nurses and like, it's Well, you're just, educating people. You're yeah, educating people yeah. on so many things that you probably don't, it's not even education to you at this point. This is your life, but it's uh we're ignorant to what we don't know yeah and so i love listening to you and hearing these stories because it helps me become more educated mm-hmm. on so much more and, and understanding just becoming the better person yeah. like this isn't a big problem quit thinking this is an issue right absolutely mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, it's kind of funny like thinking back to 10 years ago before all this really started I am so glad I am not that person anymore. Yeah. I used to be extremely judgmental, narrow-minded, my way or the highway. And I just, I'd be so sad if I would have continued on that path. And I want to know, like with you and your husband, Chad, right? Like yeah. what what do you two do during all of, like do you get date nights? Like what, what oh. how do you keep your marriage strong throughout you know. all of this? Question. Yeah, so uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, we started going to a new church. And <laughs> I honestly, I don't even know how it happened, but this lady at the church, her name is Fran. She is like superwoman. She found out about our family and she is a registered nurse. And she used to run a daycare. And so, like, hello, the Haugen family. You know, like, that's what we need. She has committed to every single Friday night coming and watching our kids. And not only that, she brings my children dinner. She either orders pizza, she makes mac and cheese, and she brings it, and she pushes us out the house. And I have had more date nights with my husband in this last year of life than we've ever had collectively. What a blessing. And it is. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs a friend. A friend you can call. Not a Sarah, but a friend. No, just kidding. (laughs) 
I have incredible friends. We have people. Uh, of our son, we were homeschooling all the kids. Turns out he needed a different situation. And now he goes to a school up in Burnsville from our church. A lady just crawled through the woodworks and she heard about our family. And she's like, I want to take their son to school three days a week. Mm-hmm. So she does. She spends like over an hour driving our son to school on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And, like, she's helped drive our kids to therapies. And I, that saying, it takes a village, it, like, actually takes a village for mm. our family. Um, I can't be at – there was one time that um, Leo – no, Titus was admitted to Mayo for being um, sick, and Lexi was admitted to Mayo for a surgery on the same day. I was with Titus in his hospital room and I was running the back halls of Mayo Hospital to get to the waiting OR area. Like it's, you you physically can't be in two places at once. I just can't do it. So I've really had to learn to say, I need help. I've learned to not care. I've learned to say, this is what I need. That's something else that has been a huge blessing to me this whole like Minnesota passive aggressive thing like isn't for me. Um, we got to be a little bit more honest with each other because it just cuts through all the crap, right? Mm-hmm. And there were times where I was like, hey, I need somebody to come to my house from 3 to 5 p.m. on Wednesday and take my kids to the park. Because at that point I had been li- I was at the hospital and Chad was trying to work and people are like, perfect, I can do that. Sign me up. Yeah. Like people want to help. We just have to allow them and give them the opportunities and kind of lay it out for them for what we actually need, mm-hmm. you know? So that. now I've learned if a friend of mine has surgery or has a baby or whatever it is, I'm not like, hey, what do you need? I'm like, hey, I am bringing you a lasagna and, you take know, it. take it. Here it is. Yeah. And put it on your doorstep. <laughs> yeah. We need it. Yeah, We're yeah. all a mess. We he all went need through help. that when she lost her significant other. He, yeah. Yeah. Aww. You had to learn how to. Yeah. My daughter's father passed away when she was two months. And um, I think like I just stemming off what you said, like learning how to accept that you need help. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was very prideful in that area um, because I was a single mom forever and I just I learned how to just do it right you just did it and I that's the phrase that you just said I was like oh I get that because yeah. that is something I say all the time now is like I even tell my son I'm like I can't do it all I can't work yep. I can't take care of the house take care of a yard drive you everywhere show up to all of your mm-hmm. sporting events pay for everything financially trap like I can't, can't do it all I go it's impossible I'm not mm-hmm. even going to act like I can and I'm not even going to make it look like to other people I can mm-hmm. and I go I am going to admit that I need help and that was hard in the beginning it was yeah. really hard because I didn't even know how to articulate what I wanted exactly I didn't even know and so then it was like oh my gosh I don't even know this stuff and so you know I've spent the last three years learning how to articulate what do you need in these Mm -hmm. moments what do you need help with and I find myself it's easy to slip back into some of that mentality of like forgetting to say like I just need a night out or I need to get away from my kids for the night and acknowledge that like I just need to 
I need me time, even if I just was with, you know, doing, working and doing all this stuff. Sometimes it doesn't matter. You just need a night to yourself still. And sometimes you still just need mm. time with your kids or whatever it is. Or, um, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't have time to cook. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I ask my parents, like, what okay. are you guys doing? You know? Yeah. But I've learned how to do that because then, um, people do know how to provide and help because yep. people really do want to help you Absolutely. and they really, their hearts are in such a good place. I just don't think people understand. And, and then that's the other thing is I, I hope you never understand what this is like. Absolutely. I don't want you to learn how this is, yeah. but they are never going to understand unless you learn how to articulate and um. ask for it. So I think that's super cool that you, mm. you've built such a community and that is, I mean, it's just, that's so cool because then your kids see that and then this just creates such a generation of like mm-hmm. giving and loving um, without condition. And I yeah. love that. Yeah. So I hate cool. when strings are attached to anything. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. Wow. Thank you. There's some strong women in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it is some it good takes stuff a village. to learn. It, it takes really a does. village and every situation is so different. I mean, even yours, Allie, like you have more of a traditional, but it still takes a village. Like, yeah, it does. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think, um, so I learned that first, but then what I didn't realize I was missing was how to articulate to my husband what I need when it's just our family under our roof. Yeah. And there were times I was just completely snapping or I would just start crying for no reason and like, I tried to muddle through because your response is your responsibility. So what do I do with that? And I've learned to say, hey, I need 20 minutes upstairs with the door shut and just like either watch TV, lay in my bed or cry and then come back out. Like I needed and same with him. He'll be like, hey, I just need 15 minutes and he does spray paint art. He's awesome. And he'll just go do that outside quick. And I, you know, like, hey, mom's off the clock or hey, dad's off the clock. And we've learned to articulate that with one another. and That's a good, I'm using that. I'm off the clock. Yeah, I uh-huh. think I use it too much now. <laughs> but No, but it's, it's okay. real. I was out it with is. my girlfriend on Wednesday this week, and my nine-year-old, God bless him, mm-hmm. he is FaceTiming me every five minutes. <gasps> and I'm like, Dad is home. Yeah. Dad can help you. You do yep. not need to call mom every yep. time you need something. Just don't answer so, the phone. I know, but <laughs> I stopped. But, you know, it's, it's kind of that no, like I'm whole. Kidding. But now it's like, oh, mom is off the clock. Yeah. yeah. Using it. We we have to. Do not disturb. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> do that. Do not disturb. Yeah. <laughs> but we just have to. You know, my husband and I have gotten really good about once a week. We do quick check-ins. You know, like for us, uh, a whole nother layer to all this is raising children with special needs. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm the one who goes to all the therapies. I do all the medication things because I have the time, right? Like it's kind of my job. And so on about, typically it's Sunday nights. We kind of do a little bit of meal planning, checking in through the week, who's driving who where. And then I'll be like, hey, last week in therapies, this is what we learned. I have new information to share with you. I don't want you to feel like I'm parenting you. How are you best going to receive this information? Mm-hmm. And we kind of like we speak to each other that way versus just being like, Chad, do it this way or <laughs> yeah. ah, you know, like it just it kind of helps because our life once, you know, those well, someone's always awake at our house, whether it's, you know, a special needs baby or it's a kid waiting for the tooth fairy or you know, kids throwing up, you know, someone's always awake, <laughs> always. And so our household never really shuts off. So how can you stay recharged 
while doing that because he and I are a team we have yeah. to be a team we can't be mad at each other we can't we have to work together you can't and have so, expectations yeah absolutely mad, right and so we often find ourselves hey I have some information to share with you are you in a place right now where mm-hmm. where it's good for it. you to hear it yeah are you in a place where you can receive it and we have found that that works super well I found like I um I don't have somebody that I like hand <laughs> I don't have that all the time but I have like my parents I have Mm -hmm. other people who are really awesome but I get like very like um touched out oh yeah like my my kids are just on me or my daughters like you know they just have to be on you touching you and um Mm -hmm. I've found lately like I've been getting really overstimulated and Mm -hmm. so like how do you like it's like for me it's hard because it's right you like you're like I just need some time but you don't reject your kids from like I physical do. love I, I do know sometimes I just get well I do I know I do we too. all do but it's just it's a hard I think it's it hard is. as a mom like you just it's hard not to feel mom guilt because then right you're like oh and then I recharge and then I'm like okay I'm so sorry and I like but I'm not sorry because yeah. I needed that yeah, yeah, time yeah. but it is it's hard to balance some of it that is. and give yourself grace and just be like I just need five seconds, not five seconds. I need like five no, then hundred minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and exactly. I just need you to not touch me, not be calling on me, not ask me for anything, not talk to me. Like, I just need to not be touched for like a second. I know exactly what you're talking about because um, I, I go through that all the time. And I think I have finally learned it's starting to pay off for me just a little bit because I've been telling my kids this now for – I don't know, a year or two years, especially when COVID hit and all of our kids were home all the time. And I'm not a very like affectionate, touchy person. That's just not me. And so my kids drive me nuts. And I tell them a lot like, hey, okay, I, what do you need? I'm kind of touched out right now. What do you need? I will fulfill that. And then mommy's going to go take a 10 minute break. And I can't be bothered during that time. Um, If you need something, ask one of your older siblings or wait for me, but I will come out. But what can I do for you first? And, you know, um, or that's when I'm like, peace out, dad's on the clock or whatever, and I'll go to my room. But I tell my kids all the time, like, I can't be everything that you need. I'm human. I'm far from perfect. I will make mistakes. Hmm. I'm, I made mistakes today. I'm going to make mistakes tomorrow. But, and in turn, I expect my kids, and I'm trying to raise my kids to tell me what they need. Hey, mom, I just, I need a hug right now. Perfect. I can fulfill that for you. Yes. Because we have to start learning to speak what we need versus just reacting all the time. It's such a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's been huge. I mean, don't get me. Yesterday, I mean, my sister can attest. I got super annoyed and mad at my son. It still happens. But it has been a healthier way to deal with it all. And how do you like bond like when some are having problems with one another, right? How do you bond them together? Do you feel? Yeah. So that's huge for us. Um, I I think there's a good friend of mine told me there's very little reason for conflict. And I have that written all over my house because I believe that there are actually very little reasons to have huge problems with somebody. And so when my kids fight, I just sit them down. I always say, hands up top, everybody stop, because that's what they did in preschool, and I'm like, I'm taking it. So my poor 12-year-old's like, ugh, I'm a little teapot, you know, like whatever. But I just sit them down, and I'm like, guys, what, what is going on here? 
is this i i'm not saying is what you're fighting about is that item important to you because obviously it's important because you're fighting about it but like there's a bigger this issue relationship <laughs> means something more to you and i also just kids fight yeah yeah they fight my they kids do. fight all the time but you know we i just don't i don't really let my kids walk away from an argument without it being resolved i refuse because i always tell my kids like you can't my kids don't just get to move out when they're 18 they will move out hopefully when they're 18 but they need to learn to be humble how to give an apology accept a apology or accept one um you know like these kind of staple things because i feel like far too many kids or people aren't taught those things mm-hmm. and we need to i want to i prayer is that my kids can be forgivers quick quick forgivers Give people second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Obviously, there's, you know, there's things to all of that. There's boundaries. But, but like, forgiveness is truly freedom for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not for the other person. It's for yourself. And so I walk my kids through those things. I have this type of conversation that we're having right now with my children. And I feel like I'm just constantly trying to teach them and show them through example with how I interact with them and with my husband and with people that walk in our door or that's our jobs as parents yeah. right to make them the fly birdie fly and yeah give them those tools to absolutely so i have to ask you where do you, where does your family go now or what where do you guys go from here just tomorrow <laughs> just i don't know I sarah no... calls <laughs> sarah <laughs> <laughs> oh she's gonna listen to this like <laughs> oh can we love you sarah we yes do. i think it's she's obviously sees something yeah. in your past, oh, you know, no like... she's absolutely one of my best friends yeah. um you know, I don't know. How about you as a person? I don't know and I don't need to know. Yeah. I think that's where I've come from all this. I don't really daydream too much anymore. Maybe I will in the future. I mean, my apps, if I'm being honest, for years and years, my college degree was speech communication. I would love to, I've, I started a book years ago, kind of on all these topics that we're talking now, but right now is not the time for me to be, you know, writing in it anymore. I will. Again, I've given myself like a 30 year deadline, you know, maybe, maybe loose. But then it'll be amazing when it's done because you get to collect all the information you're supposed to put in there. But I think I have learned that whatever happens, I'm okay with because I am truly fulfilled by being a wife and a mother to my kiddos. And then eventually I hope, you know, grandkids and neighbors and all these things like that gives me such fulfillment I don't really need more than that because it gives me I'm so busy yeah that I'm so busy doing what I've grown to love because it starts at home it absolutely starts at home Mm -hmm. and whatever happens will be cool and I'm I literally just hold everything with an open hand um and if my life goes a different direction or a different thing or if another kid joins our family or whatever, okay, I'll be there for it. Sounds like you're not seeking it out. I'm I not seeking, I am not seeking it <laughs> yeah. out. You're I feel I love that. really, well, because, I mean, we're maxed out in our car. We can't yeah. fit anywhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And but how- no, I feel, I, I have gotten to the point right now where, like, our son and his medical needs are so intense. I mean, I, I couldn't do justice to another child, but I also don't think we can do justice to one child because we can't, yeah. we're humans, right? We're messy. Yeah. Um, but I feel c- totally good right now. And I honestly, I'm not, I'm now not scared to say, hey, I, maybe now I become the Sarah. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, Kristen, yeah. my sister, do you want another kid? Like, <laughs> I'm okay connecting people. I yeah. my I feel really fulfilled. Not that I didn't before, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm I am maxed out with right. what I what a what a human body can do for all the appointments and and just everything. Yeah. Um, but I'm yeah, yeah and that's okay. And I have no problem saying that's okay. I have no problem saying time out. Right. <laughs> I just need a pause. But I'm not scared to ask other people. Yeah. Well, to I join love that and... you're on here sharing your story. Yeah. And, and that was going to be my next question. Like, what advice would you give to those people that are starting the process of adoption? The first thing I always say is um, don't go. If you're going into this from infertility, heal yourself first. Because these are not the same things. Adopting a child is not going to fulfill um biologically having a child they're they're completely different things so that's what i always i kind of start there a lot of people don't want to hear that but it is the absolute truth um and just be open it's honestly it's really hard for me to keep my mouth shut when i hear people that are adopting that are like i only want blonde hair blue eyes healthy no drug exposure blah 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 i'm like then honestly, adoption's not for you. You're trying to get something for yourself. Adoption, it, it, that's just not what it is. And I don't think that's what it should be. These are kids that are in need, that need families that are going to love them for who they are, not a hand-picked, yeah. you know? And yeah, absolutely. I mean, people don't always love it when I say that, but that's no, the but truth. That's the hard conversations that need yeah. to be had. I think Absolutely. it's nice to hear those things and understand that because it that makes complete sense when you mm-hmm. say it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause... Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, exactly. Adoption's like a guarantee that way, yeah. but it's sad that people think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Especially you. Especially as a pro-life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. And that's why I loved honestly choosing to be. We just checked every single box for Titus because we were like. Whatever kid needs us, perfect. We'll learn to be what they need. Yeah. And we've learned. I've learned to change G-tubes. I've learned to, you know, give medications, um, oxygen, just you name it. And we're capable of so much as humans. And I think we put ourselves in so many boxes. And it's exciting, really. Yeah. I've learned. I've just, I've learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the best phrases I heard not that long ago was our biggest um, breakthroughs happen in our lowest of times. And um, I know for me that's been extremely true. And so it's like I think we have – I have a – I used to have a constant need of like I need to feel happy or I need to get in that place. Mm -hmm. And then it was in those hard times where you're like I don't know how I'm going to do this Mm -hmm. or whatever that you have those biggest breakthroughs, but also it pushes you to like become that best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's like – you even recognize was there and open your mind to so much more of like you're like that's where my purpose is I would have never guessed you know Mm -hmm. or I would have never put myself in that place but I think those moments are and it's not until you go through that a lot of times do you really Mm -hmm. truly understand that otherwise it sounds kind of like a cliche wall hanging or coffee mug right yeah but I think it's super cool that you're on here sharing your story and I love that you chose us to come Mm -hmm. on and share your story with and well honestly it's kind of like going back to the junk drawer right 
because every time, every month when I go through my junk drawer, I, I'm like, okay, how can I make this system better? How can I do this better? And it's like we're always just kind of refining ourselves and, and trying things a little bit differently and evolving. And But for me, the real thing is I just got to get more stuff out of my junk drawer. <laughs> and I kind of realized that once I kept my focus at home, like with the Lord, with my husband, with my kids, things are just, they make a bit of sense. I love that. Yeah. I, I do too. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to end this, I think. <laughs> I, th- I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you. Yeah. So do you hear that, listeners? Clean out the junk drawer. Yeah. <laughs> Clean it out. Let yeah. it fill back yeah. up. And adopt children. Clean it right back out again. <laughs> yes. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, well thank thanks you again. So much. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted.